Hello and welcome to another podcast brought to you by Life Community Church, Leamington Spa. Recorded at one of our Sunday morning services, we hope this message inspires, equips and encourages you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Oh, oh, this side of the room? At the back? Hey, brilliant, great. And a big warm welcome to everyone listening on podcast. My name is Dave. I'm one of the leaders here. It's my joy and privilege to bring today's um, part four of today's message. Um, thanks, Dan. He's going to show the, uh, the image on the screen. Um, first, first slide there, Dan, is um, just to say, if you are on, we call it, anyone that serves on the team in the life of the church, we call it the dream team, because it really is a dream of making church work. And so on Tuesday, the 3rd of December, we have a special thank you. Um, we have our volunteers, Champions Night. So that's the night for, for you. Come at 7.45 ready to be seated at 8pm and that's at the Waterside Inn. If you've not yet given your, your food choices to Raphine, um, then talk to Raphine after the service and she'll um, really book you in and take your food choices. But it's a great chance to celebrate yeah. together everything that happens in the life of the church. So a big thank you to everyone. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say thank you for being a part of the church. And why don't we show our appreciation to everyone that serves on the Dream Team. Come on. Come on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Turn to your person next to you and say, you look like you've lost some weight. (laughs) 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 Oh, no, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're the best thing I've seen all day, all week. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's good to have a fun in church, isn't it? You know, oh gosh, yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. Talking of, um, of losing, losing weight, um, I always confess my sins in church. I'm sorry, I've got another food confession. So quite a few years ago, um, I've got a sweet tooth. I love, I love food in general, but I've got a sweet tooth. And I love chocolate. Anyone else like chocolate here? Who here likes Mississippi mud pie? Totally. So a few years, quite a few years ago, I, mean, I was at a church, and I, I, I had this, the woman at this church, her name was Judy Williams, and, and uh, she's a brilliant baker, brilliant cook, and she knew that I had a sweet tooth. And she became like my, my, my surrogate mum when I was living away from home. And, and um, for my birthday, she decided to bake me something. And it wasn't just chocolate. It wasn't just a cake. It was my own Mississippi mud pie. Oh, it was amazing. But the problem was, it wasn't just like one Mississippi mud pie for one. It was like a whole bowlful. You know where this is going. And, uh, and I think she thought I was going to have a party back, back home and uh, all that stuff. And I, I brought it home. I was at church that night. I was a good, good Christian boy. I was at church that evening. Brought it home. Put it in the fridge. I put it straight in the fridge because it had to be refrigerated. I'm good. I'm watching TV. And suddenly I had this craving. This little thought in my head. This little desire that says, mmm, that Mississippi mud pie. It looks so good. And Dave, you've not had any yet. Go on, treat yourself. It's your birthday. So I've got a bowl out, got it out of the fridge, got a big spoon, put it in there, put it back into the fridge, sat down, spoon. It was like heaven in my mouth. 
It was delicious. It was mouth-watering. It was like nothing I've ever tasted before or since. Sorry, Liam. <laughs> it was amazing. Amazing. Because it's something so good, you can't just leave it to the one taste, can you? You've got to try again to see if it is as good as it really, that first experience was. I went back into the kitchen. I opened up the fridge. I took the bowl out, the huge bowl. I took the big spoon, serving spoon, plonked it in, in, the, um, in, the, in the Mississippi pie, into my, in my plate, back and sat down. Oh, it was so good. Second time was even better. I thought I couldn't believe it. First time, I couldn't beat that. Second time was even better. I stand here before you this morning to confess my sins. It's good to confess our sins. I ate the whole lot in one go. And I felt sick. Oh, I went to bed. My belly was up here. And I thought, oh, oh. Do you know what? Some things are good in small doses, aren't they? And some things are good in big doses. And it's learning to choose in between the right things, what's good in small doses, what's good in big doses. And it all comes from desire, doesn't it? And I desire to have more of this Mississippi, Mississippi mud pie, I can't even say it. And it was bad in big, big doses. But I want to tell you today, in part four of our series, Empowered, some things are good. And some things are about desire. And one, my one remit this morning is to increase your desire, not for Mississippi mud pie, because you've already heard that's good in small doses, but to increase your desire for Holy Spirit. For Holy Spirit. Amen? Holy Spirit is good. Holy Spirit is the third person of the, Holy, of the, the Godhead. Holy Spirit is a good gift from the Father for every single one of us that is a Christ follower. Holy Spirit is good. And if I could get a big serving spoon and... and, in, and Increase your desire for Holy Spirit. That would be the one goal that not just I, but Father God and Jesus has for you this morning. Who thinks that Leanne's done a tremendous job these last three weeks? Yeah? And so I just want to quickly um, just recap a few things. In Acts chapter 19, verses 1 to 2, we've got a big, big challenge. Acts talks about the, the, the birth of the church, and there's a big question that's happening in Acts. While Apollos, one of the apostles, was at Corinth, and Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. So the apostles had gone out in lots of different directions, spreading the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ's death, resurrection. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Great question. They answered, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. This is a big debate that happened in the early church. Who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? And it's a big debate for us, 2000, over 2,000 years later, who is the Holy Spirit? So in, in week one, we heard that the Holy Spirit is a person. It's not, it's, it is not a force. It is not a power. He is a person, the third person of the Trinity, of the Godhead. We know about God the Father. We know about Jesus the Son. Holy Spirit is equal, equally part of the Godhead person. But the thing is, in our Bible translations, we've got the word Holy Ghost or Holy or Spirit. And that sounds a bit weird to us. And that was a word that the Bible translators used because it was the best thing they had. But do you want to really know what the, the word uh, ruach in the, in, the, in the Hebrew or pneuma in the Greek really means? It means this. Yeah. Breath. 
But to say breath sounds a bit weird, doesn't it? It's okay to maybe as Pentecostal Christians. But to, to people who haven't got faith in Christ, it sounds a bit weird. But it's like a breath of fresh air. Sometimes in our Christian walk, we're trying and trying and doing and doing, and sometimes we can feel stuck. But God doesn't want it to be like that. He wants to have like, catch the wind in our sails, which doesn't come through our own good work and effort. It comes through the help of the Holy Spirit. And you, in your us, all of us, in our workplaces, in our context of life, we can be a breath of fresh air that lightens up a room because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. Amen? That week one, week two. Pentecost, another word which sounds a bit weird. I mean, some people say, what does Pentecostal church mean? Well, this is what it means. Pentecost literally means the word 50. Jesus died at the, at the festival, the Jewish festival or holiday period of the, of the Passover. And then 50 days later is another Jewish festival holiday called Pentecost. And when, the, when Pentecost has fully come, as we read in Acts, that's when Holy Spirit was sent by Father God. And his, the first disciples received the baptism of the Holy Spirit at a festival called Pentecost. And that's why we, we're called a Pentecostal church. Sounds a bit weird, but Pentecost just means 50. So there's nothing weird about it. We just celebrate the, the coming of Holy Spirit and the baptism of that. And can I just say, there's a lot of... I'd say, I'd say bad packaging around Holy Spirit. Things that we look for and different things. I'm not going to go into that this morning. But Holy Spirit is a good gift. It is a good gift not to be feared, not to be worried about, not to be anxious about. But why? Is it just to give us goosebumps? No. It's to give us power. Power basically means ability. Supernatural ability that goes beyond what you can do in the normal. An ability to be able to live your life. Why? For the purposes of God what God has for you, and to bring glory to his name, to be witnesses. And then week three, um, last week, uh, Leanne spoke about the, the charismata. So charisma I mean, is the Greek word for gift. Charismata is plural there. Gifts of grace. Gifts that God gives to us as we ask for them and eagerly seek them. A supernatural ability that God gives to each of his children that together we can advance his purposes in this room. I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up. But I ask you to answer this question in your heart. Have you been seeking the gifts of the Holy Spirit this week? Have you been thinking, God, I'd like that gift? Leanne unpacked just nine gifts. There's several different scriptures in, in, the, in the New Testament which talk about different gifts that we can you know, seek. Um, and she unpacked sort of nine of them briefly last week. But seek the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul teaches a better way. Yes, even though that might have gifts of tongues or, or understanding revelation, it's nothing unless we have love. The gifts are always to be operated in love. So we go on to this week, um, part four, the, talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I want to look at some different baptisms in the Bible before we look at this. And when I've said that phrase right now, don't raise your hands or anything, but baptism of the Holy Spirit, I wonder what your reaction was inside your heart. For some of us today, it might be, never heard that term before. Some of us, it might be, yes, I know it. I've got the badge, I've got the t-shirt, love it. And some of us, it might be, 
inspired sense of um, not knowing but want to know. Some of us, it might be a case of maybe being fear. I've maybe heard about that or seen different things. It seems a bit weird. So my, my goal today is to, to talk, teach on this. Let me teach a bit today. And then as we go towards the end, we're going to inspire and bring a sense of what God wants to, to do in our lives today, this morning. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. So baptism. Baptism is a bit of a funny word, but it basically means to immerse. To immerse. Under here is a baptismal tank. And uh, we're going to be opening up this tank again in February 2020. So we'll be talking more about that later on this morning. But baptism means to, to be immersed. We do a lot of immersing when we have a bath or a shower or we're washing our hands or washing up the, the cutlery or the crockery, the plates. We immerse it into the water. If you didn't fully immerse it, it wouldn't get clean. We do a lot of immersing. And uh, I want to talk about some baptisms. Um, I, my conviction is there are two baptisms in the Bible. Some people might say there's three. But the first step, really, is salvation. Salvation is where we say to Christ, Jesus, I believe you died for my sins, my wrongdoings, things I say, think, or do that are wrong. I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? I give my life to you. I give my life to you. And the Bible says at that point that we are saved. That means our debt of sin is gone. And we become, as the Bible says, a new creation, a brand new creation. We have a brand new, fresh start. And that's salvation. And it is a gift of God. You cannot earn it. Doesn't matter how many times you come to church or church service, you cannot earn salvation. It's a gift of God which comes through you believing and confessing with your mouth that Jesus is who he said he is. He is Lord. And as soon as you confess with your mouth, you become a part of the body of Christ. The body of Christ is the church. The church has many different um, images in the Bible. A bride. But one of them is a body, the body of Christ. And when we're born again, born again, we, when we give our lives to God and we become Christians and we are saved, we become a part of the global, global institution called the body of Christ. Whether we're in this local church or whether we're meeting in Brazil or Philippines, it doesn't matter, wherever we are around the world, if we are a professing Christian, we are part of this glorious thing called the body of Christ. And who's the head? Jesus. Jesus the head of the body of Christ. And that's why it makes no sense. A Christian says, I'm going to be a Christian, but I'm not going to be an active member of a, of a local church. I'm just going to stay at home. It makes no sense because I can't chop off my arm and say, well, you go over there and stay there. And I, well, I could do, but it's not going to be functioning, is it? It has to be functioning by being attached to the rest of the body. Yeah. And the same it is for all of us. You, 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 you can't be a full Christian, saved, and not meeting and gathering with the rest of the body of Christ. Yeah. There has to be an all-in. You're all in. You're fully immersed into this, this great concept called the body of Christ. Some would call that a baptism. I won't go as far as that, but it's a salvation. It's becoming a full part of the body of Christ. Yeah. And we have local expressions of the church. We've got the global church, and we have local expressions. So here we are meeting in Charlotte Street. We are one expression of the body of Christ. And there's many different expressions in Leamington and Warwick and Warwickshire and West Midlands and the UK and blah, 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 and the rest of the world. All part of the body of Christ. Maybe worship in different styles, but still 
members of the body of Christ. I hate it with a passion when any member of any part of the body of Christ slates another member of the body of Christ. I absolutely hate it. Why? Because Christ hates it. It's his body. It's his body. We've got to be careful with our tongue, with our language. Salvation, becoming a part of the body of Christ. And then we have, um, in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13, for one by, by one spirit we are all baptised into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. So we're part of one body. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, 27, so you in Christ Jesus are all children of God through faith. It's all through faith. Can't earn it or deserve it because our best is like filthy rags. For all of you who were baptised into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. Turn to the person next to you and say, are you clothed with Christ? Are you clothed with Christ? Clothed with Christ. So the question is, just coming back into the, the Holy Spirit, here's a question. When do we receive the Holy Spirit? Well, John chapter 20, verses 9 to 22, is on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. So this is after Jesus died and um, he's resurrected, but they're not sure. They're gathered in this room, scared. Scared. Scared men. Scared men. Have you ever felt scared in your life? And I love this next bit. Um, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. <laughs> You're in a room with your mates. You had all this stuff going on with Jesus. And you, he's, it's all you know. He's, he's, he's in a in a tomb and suddenly peace be with you um, after he said this he showed them his hands and his sides so giving evidence that it's him who's been raised from the dead the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord and again Jesus said peace be with you as the father has sent me I am sending you and with that he breathed on them and said receive the Holy Spirit so what's going on here up at this point you've got these disciples these apostles who um, were operating under the old covenant. At this point, Jesus hadn't died. A few, a few days from before that, Jesus hadn't died. So they were still in their sins, as you and I could be in our sins. And so they're operating under the old covenant, the old, the old promise. Jesus had to die so that you and I can have no forgiveness of sins. That's a great thing, isn't it? When we have forgiveness of sins, it's like, ah, oh, I feel free. And so at this point, he breathes in them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. I believe this is a point when actually their sins are forgiven. Their sins are forgiven. And when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, we receive the Holy Spirit. We receive the Holy Spirit. Our, our spirit man, uh, body, soul and spirit comes alive to God and we receive the Holy Spirit. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? Yeah. So you have, if, you're, if you're a Christ follower today, you've got the Holy Spirit in you. Turn to the person next to you say, you've got the Holy Spirit in you. If you're a Christ follower, if, you've given, if you receive the gift of salvation, you have the Holy Spirit in you. And that is an amazing thing. Amazing thing. And then, that's John, uh, John's uh, Gospel. Then The great thing about the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, is they have some of the same stories, some of the same events, but they have different angles and different details that help us. And so Luke... Verse 36 says, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Okay. And then Luke adds his next details in verse 48. 
He says, you are witnesses of these things. The things that have happened in, in, in Jesus' life, uh, the fact that he's, he's died and now raised back to dead. He, he said, you are eyewitnesses. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city, stay in Jerusalem, stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Do you notice the language? So they've received Holy Spirit when Jesus breathed on them. But now there's future tense going on. There's something in the future. He says, I'm going to send, stay in Jerusalem, stay in the city. I'm, I'm, going to, um, I'm going to send you what the Father has promised. So the Father has promised. What has he promised? He's promised the gift of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. What do you mean? I've, he's, Jesus already said that he's received the Holy Spirit. No, there's something more. Turn to the person next to you and say, there's, there's more. There's something more that goes beyond salvation, that goes beyond having the Holy Spirit living in us. There's something more. The promise of the Father is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You've got to stay in the city, you've got to stay in Jerusalem until you have been clothed with power, until you've been clothed with uh, uh, ability, until you've been baptized, fully immersed with an ability that goes beyond your natural self. Where? From within yourself? No, from on high. There's more, friends. There's more. There's more. And then in Acts chapter 1, verses 3 to 5, we see a few more. Um, so after his suffering, this is another account with more information about the Holy Spirit. So Acts being the birth of the church. After his suffering, that's Jesus' suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them on a, over a period of 40 days. So for 40 days, he was appearing to his different disciples, talking with them, showing himself. It was real. Eating with them. Eating with them. I love that fact. That my resurrected body, when I'm, I, I'm raised from the dead, as we, as we declared in that song earlier today, that I can eat. I love it. Mississippi mud pie. Come on. <laughs> on one occasion, while, while, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem. So same passage, just different angle. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my father, that my father, father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, that's one baptism, the baptism of water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. So here we see in both Luke and Acts, the baptism, the promise of the Father is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is different from salvation and it's different from baptism in water. So we've got salvation, it's a free gift from God. And then we have baptism in water. So in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, those who accepted his message were baptized. This is Peter. So Peter, Peter, let's just get this in our minds. Peter, on the night that Jesus was being tried in the, in the, in the courtyard, couldn't even tell the truth to a young servant girl because he was afraid. And now, about 40 days later, he is proclaiming Jesus Christ died and rose again so he can forgive us from our sins. And because of that, 3,000 people believed. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't Peter thinking, come on, get a grip, Peter. Come on. Get out. Come on. You couldn't do it to a young servant girl. The, 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 the disciples were meeting in a locked room. Something's happened. And about 3,000 people were added to their number. They believed the message and were baptised. When does baptism happen? Well, baptism in water, often in the New Testament, happened 
there and then. People believe and they got baptised straight away. These days we tend to wait, but it, it can happen in any order. And can I also say this? People say, what, what order should we get baptised? Do I receive? Do I get baptised in water first and then receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It doesn't matter. In, in New Testament scripture, we see both happening. People get baptised in water first and then receiving the Holy Spirit, and then people receive the Holy Spirit and get baptised in water second. So it, it, it doesn't matter. The order is not important. Water baptism. And, and it's a bit like this. Baptism, if you, you receiving salvation is like you making a private decision. It's between you and God. That's often why I don't necessarily call people forward. When people are saying, I want to respond to Jesus, it's you and God. It's got to start in, in your own heart. In your own heart. God, I, I choose to confess my sins before you. I ask you to be Lord and my Saviour. I receive this free gift of salvation. It's a gift. I receive it today, Lord. But salvation is about you and I going public. You see, I've got this wedding ring on. It's a sign that I am married to Leanne. I'm sorry, I'm off the shelf. <laughs> Didn't even know there was a shelf, but yeah. I'm married to Leanne. But before that, that, was, that ring was put on my finger, what happened? I told Leanne... I loved her. And we, we went through a series of getting engaged and committing to each other. And on, that, on that wedding day, we committed through vows before God that we were committing the rest of our lives to each other. Forsaking all others, we're committing the rest of our lives to each other. And we said that privately. We told each other we loved each other. And then publicly at a wedding ceremony. I couldn't be married to Leanne without going public. I had to go public with, well, we had to go public with our decision that we're getting married. And then I have an external sign on my finger, as is Leanne. No, you're going to hate this. I've even got a name in my ring. I'm sorry. <laughs> All the women are gushing. The men are, oh, dear. <laughs> She's got her, she's got my name in her ring as well. <laughs> Dave? <laughs> but um, we had to go public at some stage. We made a private decision. We had to go public. And that's what baptism is. It's going, it doesn't save you. Baptism in water does not save you. It's wrong teaching if you think it saves you. It doesn't. You believe. You confess with your mouth. That saves you. It's a free gift. Then God's, and then Jesus says, well, believe and then be baptised. Yeah. Go public with your faith. That's why we go public. That's why we have a big celebration. Right. We don't do it privately in a, a little back room somewhere. We do it public because it's about celebrating and going public with our, our new church family right. of what God has done in our life. But Matthew says this. You know, Jesus said this in, in Matthew. Whoever acknowledges me, so whoever goes public, if you like, with their faith before others, whoever acknowledges me before others, I also acknowledge my Father in heaven. But if, you, if you can't go public, if you disown me before others, I will, disown, I will also disown you before my Father in heaven. So baptism by water is this great celebration of what God has done in our lives. And it's a tremendous, tremendous thing. It's got uh, salvation, we've got the baptism in water, and we've got the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Going really quickly. So there's many passages I could refer us to, but I want to just look on the Acts chapter 8, and we'll see 
three things happening here. So Philip, now remember the disciples are going across many different places, many different directions, spreading the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection. So Philip went down to Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. So he preached the gospel there. But when they believed, the people that heard, they believed. Salvation happens. But they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. They were baptised, both men and women. So here we have the, the, the account of people hearing the gospel. They're responding and, and coming to salvation, a free gift. Then they're baptised in water. And in verse 14 of Acts chapter 8, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard, so Jerusalem is like the headquarters, when they heard that Samaria had also accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. They want to check out what's going on. And when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers uh, there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. So you've got a place where people are receiving the gift of salvation. They're being baptised with the Holy Spirit so as we saw earlier, they've received Holy Spirit, but they've not yet, um, the Holy Spirit has not yet come upon them. So there is a second thing that happens with the Holy Spirit, which is what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They had simply been baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus. They had simply been baptised in water. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Very simply, receive the Holy Spirit. For there are, and, it, and I love this, in one John, just talking about the different salvation, the two baptisms. For there are three that bear witness in heaven. 1 John chapter 5, verse 7 and 8. The Father, so we understand the Father God, the concept of Father God, the Word, that's Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth. Everyone say earth. And here we see the three things we've just spoken about. Spirit, water, and blood. The spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. The blood is salvation. Salvation. The water is immersion, the baptism of water. And the spirit is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I love this verse because I really feel it unpacks for us a sense of the two baptisms and salvation. For us, that there's more for us that we need to live an empowered life. I, I just want to share just a couple of minutes about, about me. And um, like I said earlier, there's a lot of bad packaging around the Holy Spirit and also around the baptism of the Holy Spirit and what it means, and it can, be, it can provoke fear in people and misunderstanding. So when I was a, uh, I I think I was around seven. So I was brought up in a, in a Christian home. And I gave my life to, to Christ at a young age. Parents were Christians, went to church most weeks. And I had a basic understanding of God. And I remember we were in a, in a house group at that time, a very small community of believers gathering, singing songs. And they spoke about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, didn't really understand much. They said, do you want to, speak, do you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Sounds good, didn't really know what it meant. You know, they said, and they broke it down for us. And then you might, you might start speaking in another language called tongues. You might receive a gift of tongues as you're baptised in the Holy Spirit. So, so I said, okay. So they, I stood there wanting to receive this free gift. It sounded good. Who thinks gifts are good? If they, if they, yeah, good gifts. So I, I, I stood there and then 
And then suddenly um, I found myself starting to speak in another language. But it was only like, I had three syllables. It was the, it was the word nulliga. Nulliga. And all I kept saying was nulliga, 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 nulliga. And then my, I remember another lady in the group said, I think I, God's saying that that word means a beautiful one. So for me, that was like, oh, well, that's amazing. I'm saying to God, a beautiful one. And for years and years and years, I could just use that language of nulliga, nulliga, growing up, a beautiful one. Fast track to, um, I, I was getting older, I walked away from God, and then when I was in my university years, I came back to the Lord. And I got planted in a church in Peterborough, and I came back to the Lord, and uh, I was going to church, and I was loving it. And I was, I was like, things had just really illuminated to me. I felt God was my own God, not just following the, the faith of my parents, religion, but God, had, you know, God was alive, and he was living in me, and it was wonderful. And then I remember one morning, I was going to loving church, and I was, it was one of those mornings, a bit like today, but wetter. It was just torrential rain. Who, who, when you wake up in the morning and it's torrential rain, it doesn't make you feel good, does it? So it was raining. And also, I'd caught this, this cold, this flu. So I was really, really, it felt really poorly. So poorly to the extent that I couldn't go to church. And I was really, really gutted about that, because I was loving church, absolutely loving it. I really wanted to go. So there I am, lying in bed. It's raining, and, um, and this is fully 100% the truth. Raining, and I'm feeling just a bit sorry for myself, because I wanted to go to church, but I couldn't feel under the weather. And then just this thought came to me about, just, just start worshipping God. So I put on my uh, CD. It was probably a ghetto blaster that big at that time. Um, put on my CD. I had some Hillsong worship. And I just started worshipping uh, God. I was living in a house with people that weren't Christ followers and making a joyful noise. And it was a great opportunity just to share with them and ask them ask questions. It was wonderful conversations. And um, so I was just, just worshipping God. And I just had this, this desire in me. That says, yeah, that's all. I was fed up with my prayer language. You might say, well, that's a gift. You know, fed up. No, but I, I saw people would, could speak in another language, in the gifts of tongues, and, and could speak in like, like so many different more words. And I had one word, well, three syllables. And I, I just wanted more. But I wasn't in a church service. It was raining. I felt really, really ill. But I just had this desire. And the problem was I was in my bedroom. There was no minister. There was no pastor that could lay their hands on me or anything. But without... Any word of it like, this is what happened. And I didn't know what to expect. I just had this desire. And I just had this nagging thought. It was just, just ask for more tongues. So that God, I'd just give me more tongues. And I, don't, I didn't know what to expect. Honestly, I did not know what to expect. So I was just worshipping the Lord. And, I just, and, and, I, and I'll be honest with you. I was, at that age, I, was, I used to blush all the time. I was insecure. I'd go out to a shop and thought everyone would be looking at me. I'd go bright red. And because I'm going bright red, then I think I'd go even more redder because I thought it was, everyone could see the redness already, you know. And I was just insecure and just shy and all the rest of it. God, would, if this is for me, would you give me more tongues? I wasn't asking for baptism of the Holy Spirit. I was just asking for this gift of tongues. And as I prayed... Just stood there, worshipped. Suddenly, all I can say is, like, strength came from within my belly. Strength came in my belly. And suddenly, it almost like out of my belly, like a, you know, like a baby starts to sort of speak. 
We don't need to, you know, and I started to speak in a language I'd never even heard, tried to speak or anything. And it's, but it, would, it was followed by a sense of absolute confidence that I could not put on myself. Even thinking about it now, I'm feeling goosebumps because it was such a reality in my life. No one laid hand on me. I had no professional Christian saying, oh, Lord, baptize. But I've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in my bedroom when it was raining and I felt miserable and I was ill. And no one else was in my bedroom to lay hands on me. And it gave me a confidence. And, and that year, I, had, I was often met at the pub with my housemates. And they were asking me questions about my, my, my relationship with God. And you know, the sort of questions that really analytical questions, all about that, all about that. And they've got their doubts. And, but God just helped me just to talk to them. I just had a desire just to speak with them. And it all was birthed on that occasion in my bedroom. Because why? The baptism of the Holy Spirit is all about us being living our lives with a, a, an ability that comes not from ourselves but from God, a supernatural ability to be his witnesses, to live, to live for his purposes on planet Earth, to do things that we couldn't do on our own strength. Like Peter, he couldn't proclaim Jesus' name. He was too weak. He was too shy or, or afraid. But he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in order to do it. So what's next for us to embrace the person of the Holy Spirit? One of the things I love about this church is we're creating an environment where people are going on a journey. Um, just recently, I've told you about my gym, going back to the gym, and, and Leanne kept saying, because I bought her a Fitbit watch. Who's heard of Fitbit watches? So Leanne, I bought her a Fitbit watch for her birthday last year, and she kept saying to me recently, why don't you buy a Fitbit watch? And anyway, my, my last watch died, and I couldn't do anything with it, so I thought I was just going to do it. Fitbit watch, for those that don't know, it records how many steps you take, so yesterday, apparently 10,000 steps is really, really good. It, gives you, it goes ballistic. It goes, shows um, different things on your watch. We do. Yesterday, I did 17,000 steps. <sighs> so I'm tired today, I tell you. Um, <laughs> um, but a journey is made up of steps, isn't it? And we're all at different... I love what I love about our church. We're all at different stages of our spiritual journey. Some of you are just in investigating, inquiring. Some have started with salvation and think, yes, I've received it. What's next? Some are going to get baptized or have been baptized. Some have received the Holy Spirit. And there's so much more. But also there's different things in our, work, in our life which get in the way. And God is helping us through those things. Maybe character defaults that we just need to get right. We're on a journey where God is helping us with those. Maybe things like um, anger problems or just things in our marriages. Or God, would you help me with that? We're all at different stages that God is helping us. So what next to embrace the person of the Holy Spirit? Ephesians says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. So there's something about the Holy Spirit, which is, we talk about like drunkenness. People might get drunk because they want to get that high of feeling good. Well, actually, you can feel good with the Holy Spirit. Not that that's what we want the Holy Spirit for. With it, the Holy Spirit' purpose is for us to live. But there's something about being filled, and that is—it doesn't mean be filled once. It means be being filled. Be, keep asking to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So, number one, I'd say is removal barriers. Maybe you're sitting here today and you've got barriers 
we all have barriers in our life, and God wants to remove them. Maybe the first barrier for us sitting here today is to say, well, God, I'm a sinner. I want to confess my sins to you and receive the free gift of salvation. That might be the first barrier that we might need to step into on our journey of faith. For others, it might be a, a fear, fear of just living life, or even fear of who the Holy Spirit is, what he might do to me. There's many bad packaging, and we don't look for, when, when the Spirit comes upon us, you know, I've never fallen over. And I would say things like that are a reaction to the Holy Spirit, and we don't look for reactions, but our body might react in certain ways. I've shaken, but we don't look for that, because the Holy Spirit is a good gift. We've got to remove the barriers from our life. How do we do that? Peter replied in Acts chapter 2, repent. And be baptized. Repent means change your mind. Change your mind about the barriers in your life. Change your mind about who the Holy Spirit is. That is a good gift. The Holy Spirit wants to, to bless you and equip you and help you. And in verse 39, the promise is for you. Holy Spirit is for you. Maybe some of you, your barrier is you think, I'm not good enough. Well, join the good, not, I'm not good enough club. None of us are good enough. None of us. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're not good enough. And that's why it's grace. Grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. Not your expense, not your best works, but what Jesus did. The promise is for you if you are a Christ follower. We, keep, we remove the barriers, remove sin, ask forgiveness. We change our mind and just receive. Number two, we request the Holy Spirit. We request the gift of the Holy Spirit. So you have to ask, God, would you fill me with the Holy Spirit? Would you baptize me with the Holy Spirit? Luke says, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. Who knows knows how to give good gifts? Yeah. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So we've got to ask. But no, remove the barrier that it might be weird or it's not weird. It's natural, but it's supernatural. It's supernatural. And it's good. And it will empower you and I to live for him. We've got a request. Thirdly, receive him by faith. It's all about faith. It's all about faith. God, if you said, this is Holy Spirit's for me, the baptism of the Holy Spirit's for me, not just receiving Holy Spirit through salvation, but the baptism. And if you're saying it's good, I, I believe I want to receive him. You don't have to muster it up. You don't have to like, oh, come on. You don't have to have weird, just normal, naturally, supernatural. Just receive it. Like you receive salvation through faith, you receive the Holy Spirit through faith. In my bedroom, through faith. God, I believe this is for me. Just receive it. And I had no knowledge of what to look for. I hadn't looked at other Christians and how they received Holy Spirit I was by my bedroom, in myself, alone. If anything, if I encourage you to go to your bedroom where no one else can see and ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit and see what the Lord will do. It's a bit like this. Ezekiel chapter 47 talks about a river flowing from out from the temple. And I love this as, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a, a picture of the Holy Spirit. The, the river going from the temple out, flowing eastward. The river, the water representing Holy Spirit. But I love this. And there's a man, he's measuring um, certain measurements in his hand. He measured for 1,000 cubits and led through a water that was ankle deep. And maybe today, some of us are ankle deep in our faith. What that means, well, you, you, we're Christians. You've, you've, you've 
confess your sin, you've come to God, you receive the free gift of salvation. Maybe some of us are, are ankle deep because we're just getting a bit freer. We're maybe in our worship, we might feel a bit free in our worship, however you want to worship, hands raised, eyes closed, whatever that looks like. You're ankle deep, but it's okay. And you know what? It's okay to be ankle deep. Can I say this? Do not ever have spiritual pride. If you can operate in a certain gift and someone else can't, don't be proud about it. Don't be proud about it. We're all on a journey. Ankle deep. And then he measured off another thousand cubits of the waters and it came knee deep. Maybe we're getting a bit more on our spiritual journey. Maybe, maybe we've been baptized and my faith, I'm believing God, he's, he's helped me out in life and I'm believing that he can move situations, he can even use me in life, he can use me in my gifts. Uh, you know, he's knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through and it was waist deep. But there comes a point, church, when the things of God have to move from the natural realm to the supernatural realm. When you have to go from, I can do it in my own strength, where I have to free trust in God. Faith is trusting in God. Trusting in God. So, he measured off another thousand, and now it was a river that I could not cross, because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in. A river that no one could cross. There comes a time when we have to take our feet off the ground. I'm not saying then behave wacky and weird. But we only have to trust God that if it's supernatural, okay, God, I receive it in faith and I want it. Faith is the key. You don't deserve it. You can't earn it. But it's all by faith. Hebrews says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Seek God, friends. Seek the gifts. Keep seeking, keep seeking, keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking. Seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's for you. It's for every single one of us who are followers of Christ Jesus. And then, relate to him every day. Relate to Holy Spirit. In my prayer, in my praying, I, 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 I use the term God, because it's one God, the Godhead. But I also pray to Father God. I pray to Jesus. And I ask Holy Spirit to help me. I relate to Holy Spirit. Three persons. Don't want to miss out. For years I missed out talking to the Holy Spirit. I, can't, I could work out God. I could work out Jesus. I could t- talk to them. But it felt a bit weird. Should I even pray to Holy Spirit? Well, he's the third person of the Trinity. Third person of the Godhead. I can speak to him. I can speak to him. As can you. I wonder if in, in closing, if I can just, uh, we have overrun, but I just really, we just need to do this. I want to pray a prayer over you. Yeah? I pray a prayer over you. Let's close our eyes in this place. Our desire is for you to receive the Holy Spirit. But the first step of your journey might be to receive the, the free gift of salvation where you know that you know that you know that your sins have been paid for. Jesus died for you. That you've been given a fresh start. I'm going to pray this prayer. I pray, Lord, for everyone in this room and under the sound of my voice today, that they would know the amazing grace of the Master, Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that they would just know the free gift of salvation that Jesus paid for with his own suffering and his own deaths and his own blood that was shed 
for everything that we do wrong. I pray that we would know that today. I pray that your people would know the extravagant love of God. I pray that they would know the love of the Father, that they could live as sons and daughters, not in fear of what might happen in the future, not in fear of the Holy Spirit, not in fear of the day-to-day, but knowing the love of God, the smile of the Father on their everyday life. And I pray this morning, Lord, that we would know the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit, that that would be the portion of every Christ follower under the sound of my voice today. In Jesus' name. If you just, every head bowed, eye closed, if, if you're not yet a Christ follower this morning and you would just like to give your life to Jesus, say sorry for your sins, confess your sins, as we've already said, it's a private decision. I'm not going to call you forward. But you can make a response right now in your seat this morning that says, God, forgive me. I want to give my life to you. I want to lead you in a prayer right now. You can pray this in the silence of your heart. Dear Father, thank you for sending Jesus. I confess all my sins to you. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to to wash me from all my wrongdoing. I ask you to give me a brand new start this day. I give control of my life to you. And I ask that you would use me to serve you for the rest of my life. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus salvation, the free gift of salvation be received by you this morning through faith. And I pray, Lord, anyone that's said that prayer this morning, that you would mark this occasion in their life, that they would never be the same again. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For many more resources and for more information, visit our website at www.life-cc.org. 